This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawl, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology. We retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 172 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we continue our look at the epic saga of the Battle of Ventry. This is our second story from the saga. This is Ventry Part 2, Oshin and Oscar. But first, a big welcome to all new and returning listeners. If this is your first time listening, why don't you at least listen to the first part of the Ventry saga in episode 172 episodes ago and if you like that why don't you head right back to the very very beginning to see what we've been building up to on fireside over the last three and a half years particularly our look at the fenian cycle uh from around episode 14 or so uh which deals with the same characters we're dealing with here in the ventry saga and all of their original stories to contextualize it a little bit more but that of course is not necessary these these stories can be taken out of context but if you are a re- returning listener thank you so so much and if you are a returning listener i hope that these characters we're meeting again uh, is as rewarding and uh, as fun for you as it is 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 for me to be with uh fionn mccool and ushin and oscar and all the boys of the fianna once more um, if you want to support the podcast, you can do so in numerous ways. You can, of course, just tell a friend about the podcast, spread the good name of Fireside. Um, you can support it by following me on Instagram at Fireside Bard. Uh, you can email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you're not on social media and want to get in touch for any business inquiries or even just to say hello. And if you really want to support the podcast, you can do so by buying my poetry book, Garden Sea, uh, a neo-myth of home. You can buy that in physical form on paperback from the Headstuff website, and you can buy it in Kindle version from Amazon. Uh, all the links are in the description below in the show bio there. And the final way is you can join Headstuff Plus over at headstuffpodcast.com, where for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you want, you can gain access to bonus material, not just for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And they are growing each and every month. So those are all the hard sells out of the way. Where am I in the world today? I am recording this episode uh, from the Gold Coast in beautiful Queensland in Australia. Uh, I'm staying in um, Coolangatta, is that it? Yes, Coolangatta in uh, a city in uh, in, que- in Queensland in the Gold Coast, 
We're in the middle of a stretch is tonight. Tonight is show nine of 12 in a row, nine shows across eight days. So we had a day off in Canberra last week, and then we've been in this run of 12 shows in a row. So we're in the thick of it now, but coming towards the end of it, and we're now in one place for a few days. We're staying in the Gold Coast, which is one of my favorite places in Australia. Um, it is absolutely beautiful, beautiful here. And uh, went to Byron Bay yesterday for the first time ever, which is one of the most stunning beaches I've ever seen. And just an incredible atmosphere there. And it's winter over here. Now, of course, an Australian winter is still better than an Irish summer most of the time. Um, but it was absolutely a beautiful time to be in Byron Bay because it was so quiet. And it was a Saturday afternoon that we were there. So we spent a couple of hours there. Then we had the show here in Coolangatta last night in uh, Twin Towns. And now we're playing in Hota tonight in the Gold Coast Arts Centre in Surfer's Paradise, um, which is a magnificent theatre uh, that I can't wait to play in and to go into Surfer's Paradise again. So that's that's where we are in the world. And now that we have a few days, haven't got a day off for a little while, but even just having being based in Gold Coast for four days means that we're not traveling during all the day. So I have some time now today to crack out another recording, a couple of episodes of Fireside here, which is where I am and is what I am doing right now. And the story for this week is our next story from the Battle of Ventry. And this is where we get the first part was, of course, the story of the king of the world, Dara Don, and how this battle came about and why why there was this need to invade Ireland, Ireland is this last spot on the map to be proclaimed the true king of the world and to defeat Fionn McCool of the Fianna. But of course, neither Fionn McCool nor any of the Fianna really were present in the first episode. Certainly none of the ones that we have encountered before. We encountered Con Critter and uh, Glas McDraven, the the traitor turned ally, but we haven't yet encountered any of the people we know. Fionn, Oscar, Oisin... Conan Whale, any of these uh, characters that we met so many times in the Fenian cycle. But that is all about to change, and we will chat more about it afterwards. But this is Ventry 2, Oscar and Oshin on Fireside. <laughs> Ventry 2, Oshin and Oscar. When Daradun king of the world, called together all his armies to conquer the final corner of the map. He set his sights on Era. This was the island that was home to Fionn Macool, the greatest known warrior in the world. If Dara Dun could not defeat Fionn, if he could not conquer Era, then he would never truly be the king of the world. Before they arrived, the powerful king of France had said to Daradun, I will join your fight, but only if I can personally kill Fionn myself. My armies will easily overpower Fionn, and I have a personal gripe with their leader. The king of France went on to tell the king of the world what had transpired. Fionn Macoul had been invited by the king over to France to teach his son the art of war. For a year and a day, Fionn trained the Prince of France in hand-to-hand, sword and spear, and also hunting, fishing, and battle tactics. However, while he was there, the Queen of France, 
fell in love with the all-too-impressive Fionn Magool, as, in fact, did the princess. And when Fionn left France after a year and a day, both the princess and the queen left with him to pursue their love. Losing both his wife and daughter to the same man was understandably a lot for the king of France to take, and he swore there and then that he would have vengeance on Era and on Fionn Macoul. The armies of the King of the World had landed at Ventry Harbour, just outside what is now the perfect village of Dingle in County Kerry. They had been told to land there by Glask MacDraven, who had been exiled from Ireland by Fionn Macoul. The Vienna were camped far away from Ventry, but Fionn had stationed sentries at every port and cove on the island in case of just such an attack. It was Con Criher who defended Era from the first wave of attacks and beheaded the King of Spain. Glasmkathraven went ashore and found that Con Criher was a cousin of his. Con assured Glas that if he fought with the Fianna now, that Fionn would forgive him for his betrayal. Glasmkathraven asked for his leave from the King of the World. Daradon granted this on the condition that every day of the battle, Glass would return to the king and give him a report. Who had fought, who had fallen. Glass agreed. A messenger of Fionn Macoul finally arrived at Ventry, and after tasting battle himself, was sent to tell the Fianna of the war at their nation's shores. Glass also asked the messenger to visit his father, Bodarak, king of the gods, the Tuadedanan, and ask for their aid. Glass and Khan remained at Ventry to defend Era and wait for reinforcement. The messenger found the Fianna camped at Thomond, in what is now the county of Limerick, where the river Shannon meets the sea. It was custom that when a messenger arrived that the chief was the first to greet them. The chief had to be the first to hear any news, good or bad. They had to be the one to tell their own clan. When Fionn Macoul heard the messenger out, he spoke to his assembled warriors of the Fianna. Accord ye. It was always prophesied that one day the armies of the world would come to our humble Gaelic shores. That is why Era has always needed the Fianna. And now is the day when we justify our existence. We owe this to every king, chieftain, every folk on this island to meet this king of the world. He will not take Era, so he will never be the king of the world. The Fianna would have followed Fionn to the gates of hell. They would easily follow him to Kerry. The Fianna camped at Inch, ten miles from Ventry Harbour. Once they were settled, they asked Fionn to suck his thumb to predict what would happen in the battle. Fionn Macoul had burned his thumb while cooking the Salmon of Knowledge, and every time he sucked it, his thumb gave him the knowledge of the world. So Fionn chewed on his thumb, through the skin and the flesh and the bone, right down to the marrow. Fionn learned that great churches and chapels and cathedrals would one day be built where the Fianna now stood. This was perhaps predicting the imminent rise of Christianity in Era. Fionn learned that the Battle of Ventry Harbour would last a year and a day, but he did not learn who would be the victor.
The night before the Fianna were to join the battle, the impetuous young Oscar, son of the bard of the Fianna, Oshin, and grandson of Fionn Macool, went to his companions, Quilche Macronan and Macalui, and said, Let us sneak down to Ventry tonight and get a good look at the enemy to give us an advantage for the fight in the morning. The three sprinted the ten miles to the beach, and by the time they arrived, Oscar was overcome with tiredness, having not slept since the Fianna left Thomond. I need to sleep if I am to fight at my best, said Oscar, who immediately fell into a slumber that the stroke of a sword would not wake him from. Unfortunately, at that very moment, Daradon, the king of the world, was growing impatient with the tactic of sending one army at a time. So he sent four kings at the head of four armies to tear Ventry Harbour apart. The collected roar of the armies as they took to the shore rattled Quilcher Macronan, who said, I have ran to the farthest corners of the world and fought in dense battles, but I have never heard the sound of so many men. Fortunately, the sound of the collected horde did stir Oscar from his sleep. He arose with new vigour and with one leap bounded over ten sand dunes and landed on the beach ready to greet his foes. Quilche and Macalui followed suit and Oscar and his companions began to draw first blood for Fionn Macool. Across the strand, Glask MacDravan and Con Creher were still holding on but were becoming weak with loss of blood and exhaustion. However, when Glass and Con heard the battle cry of Oscar, it made them feel like it was the first day of battle once again. They cut their way through and joined the grandson of Fionn Macool. The Fianna had arrived, and together that day, Oscar, Quilcha, Macalui, Con, and Glass McDravan cut the heads from nearly a thousand men. By morning, Fionn and the Fianna finally arrived at Ventry. Oshin asked his father if the Fianna would fight as an army or individually. Fionn said, We must make the enemy think we are few in number. Therefore, we will fight in single combat until the end. Then, we will fight as one and finish off the armies of the world. Fionn then asked all of the Fianna, who will fight on this first day? A chieftain named Dubbin MacMurrah answered. I will fight, along with my clan, the Mamonians. No prince has gone to fight on my behalf without them knowing whether or not they will win, said Fionn. And I am sorry to say, if you fight this day, you will die. Prophecy means little to me, said Dubbin. And I have never backed down from a fight once I have offered my services. Glas MacDravan went on board the barge of Daradon and gave the king of the world the challenge of Dubon MacMurrah. Who will fight this Irish man? asked Daradon. I will, said the king of the Greeks, the head of a formidable army if any of the stories are to be believed. The Greek army came ashore and met with the Mamonians. The Bon MacMurrah faced the king and the two fought sword and spear in the shallow waters of Ventry. Neither would back down until they had each sunk their swords into the other's heart. They both fell there and were washed out to sea. 
the Mamonians narrowly managed to defeat the rest of the Greek army, but suffered heavy casualties. Next, Fionn asked of the Fianna, Who will be the next to fight? Awell, said Gaul, a son of the King of Scotland, who had been sent to train with the Fianna. Gaul donned his colours and battle gear and charged onto the beach with no one but his servants with him. He had elected to fight on his own, but his servants would not abandon their chieftain. He would not wait to see who would challenge him in single combat, but rather indiscriminately charged at three armies on the beach. Gaul descended into such a battle rage that every hair on his head was electrified. Each strand could have held an apple, there was so much adrenaline in this prince. He tore apart any foreign soldier who made eye contact with him. Soon the armies of the world asked for a break from the fighting. Gaul granted this request. The heads of the armies had such fear of Gaul, none of them wanted to fight. But they decided that it was best that the kings and chieftains fought him to spare the lives of as many of their own infantry. This noble act only went so far, as Gaul easily cleared the head of every king and chieftain before wiping out every other soldier who did not flee the beach and clamber back onto their boats. Next, Fionn Macool asked of the Fianna, Who will be the next to fight? I will, said Oshin. Oshin was the bard of the Fianna. He was the man of words. He was not the fighter his father was. He was not even the fighter his own son was. But Ushin was still a warrior of the Fianna and demanded his chance to fight. When Glas MacDraven went back aboard Daradun's ship and told him of the offer of Ushin, the King of France pushed others out of his way to demand, I came here to take vengeance on Fionn Macoul. He took my daughter. I will begin by taking his son. The armies of France went ashore and met Ushin at the head of Clan Boskna, the ancestral clan of his father Fionn and grandfather Cool. Ushin came face to face with the king of France. They began to fight. Ushin defended himself well, but the king was clearly the better fighter and was quickly overpowering him. So Ushin's son, Ushin, joined his father and cut the king of France in the leg, and the king did the same to Ushin's son. Then two more of Ushin's children, Achdach and Ulach, they also wounded the king, but he wounded them in return. Eventually the king of France was fighting his own against sixteen warriors of Clan Boskna, but was still very firmly holding his own. Clearly this was a foe worthy of the Fianna, worthy of Fionn Macoul. But the king wasn't interested in slaying any member of Clan Boskna. He wanted the head of Fionn Macoul's son. The king charged forward and swung his sword, which sliced the throat of Ushin. Fionn's son gave out a cry so loud it pierced through the sound of man and steel and wave and carried across the strand to the ears of Oscar. Oscar was the greatest fighter of the Fianna, second only to his grandfather Fionn. When he heard the unmistakable cry of his own father, Ushin, a voice that had read him stories and sang him songs his whole life, Oscar said, Not while I am breathing will any man make my father make that sound. 
No animal or machine before or since could match the unstoppable force through which Oscar cleaved through the armies of Ventry as he made his way to his father. Soon the men realised there was no chance of stopping him, and they began to jump out of his way. There was now a clear path between Oscar and the King of France. The King turned and saw the resemblance. This was also the blood of Fionn. But the King also saw blood in Oscar's eyes, fire in his eyes, a look no human should have to give or receive to another. The King of France could not break the gaze of Oscar. The look blinded him. It rotted his brain. And like mad King Sweeney, the King of France took flight from battle, away from his people, and went to a place north of Ventry known as the Vale of Wild People, where all the insane go. When Daradon heard of the gruesome end of the King of France, the King of the World felt like the King of Nothing. The legends were true. The Fianna were a force to be reckoned with. Daradon would have to rethink and re-strategize if he was to have a hope of defeating Fionn Macool. As for the Fianna, they butchered the last of the French soldiers and celebrated the victory of the day. Oshin embraced his son and thanked him for saving his life. But the Fianna could not celebrate too much. They were winning, but they were still suffering heavy losses and they were still heavily outnumbered by the armies of the world. How much longer could they hold on? As long as it takes, said Fionn McCool. To be continued. My name is Keen, And I'm James. And we host Sissy That Pod. Sissy That Pod is a fun, informative and comprehensive companion podcast into the world of the queer and colourful cultural behemoth that is RuPaul's Drag Race. Join us every week as we cover the current season of the show, All-Star 7, through the eyes of two queer Irish fans. Or scour through our back catalogue wherever you get your podcasts or on headstuffpodcast.com to check out the other seasons we've covered. But for now, start your engine. It's time to crown an ultimate queen. And that is Ventry 2, Ventry Harder, Oshin and Oscar on Fireside. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Oh, this was a fun one. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this. It's so great to be back with our boys in home country with Fionn and Oshin and Oscar. Oscar has always been like a real MVP of the Fianna. He's very much, you know, he becomes a source of a lot of the interesting drama between Fionn and Oshin, particularly in the later stories of the Fenian cycle, because Oshin becomes this great bard of the Fianna, but is led to believe to be not as good a warrior as Oscar, his son, becomes. Like, Oscar is the one who very much would take over the mantle of Fionn McCool, um, and Oscar, who ends up falling in some stories um, in the final battle with the Fianna, in which Fionn is reported to have died as well, through which Oshin either survives or wasn't there at all because he was he was already in Tirnanog with Neve. Um but Oscar has supporting roles and sometimes very good supporting roles in some of the stories, but he doesn't really have a tale of himself. 
in the way that, you know, Oshin has his birth tale and obviously Fionn has many tales himself. So it's really nice that even the even structurally this episode uh, could be dedicated to a fight uh, that Oscar fights. And I was happy with this one because in the version of the Battle of Ventry that I am adapting from, which is this uh, Poems of Usheen, Bard of Aaron and the Battle of Ventry Harbour uh, by John Hawkins Simpson, which is a translation from the Irish. Uh, this version opens with, opens how part one, how Ventry one opened with the, tor- with the king of the world amassing his armies. But the first person to speak at that is actually the king of France. So that section at the beginning of this story was at the very beginning of the tale. Whereas in an effort to, there's going to be, I think, four episodes across the Battle of Entry. And in an effort to try and make them stand alone, so that if you listen to these episodes two weeks apart or if you listen to them a year apart, you should be able to still pick up and drop them wherever, you know. That's always my 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 greatest hope is that any of these stories could be listened to out of context. But if you have listened to all of them, it becomes like a rewarding experience, but not an exclusive one, you know. So it's like extra Easter eggs, basically. But that like if you listen to them blind, there should still be a story that you can enjoy. That's trickier when Ventry is just like a large story itself um, rather than like four individual chapters. But it does very much have sections and there are little ways I'm trying to make them stand alone. And one of them was in an effort to bookend this particular story. Because if you listen to both episodes of the Ventry, you're getting the the rhythm of it so far. It's written very much like a prose poem you know rather than beginning middle and end it is very much like like battle 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 and they each have their own characters and own fighters and they each have slightly different results and everything and there's a lot of fun to be played around with with the structuring of it so i thought by putting the king of france at the start of episode two you could bookend uh, this story by making this it gives it a sense of beginning, middle, and end in in meeting and killing the King of France within the realm of one story. And then gets it to be this kind of final boss. Um, and what I really liked as well in terms of this, this Oshin being not as good a fighter, I really liked the consistency of that. Because there tends to be a huge amount of inconsistency with Irish mythology, which is part of the fun, and uh, but can be part of the... Um, the difficulty in adapting them sometimes and sometimes you have to fill in a lot of the blanks but it's really nice that considering that the Fenian cycle tales um, a lot of which predate Ventry as a story by hundreds of years Ventry was really written down about the 15th century although it's considered much older orally um, but it does kind of stand apart from the Fenian cycle tales. But for it to have the consistency of that dynamic between Fionn, Oshin, and Oscar, and Oscar being far and away this this great fighter, probably greater than Fionn at this point, considering Fionn is much older if he's got children and grandchildren. Um, but new news to me, at least, is I didn't know that Oshin had other children of um, in the Fianna. So there is Oshin Jr. and uh, Ulach and Adrach, as it are the two other sons. Um, considered cutting them because they appear, they fight, and then are probably never heard of again. But I find it very interesting that not only is Oscar his only son, but like 
uh, not his only son, but like that he is the great one. And but he still has other sons who are members of the Fianna as well. So we get this incredible image of Oscar coming to his father's aid to the King of France who he doesn't cut his head off like everyone else does to every other person in this story. A lot of cutting, a lot of cutting off of heads in the Battle of Entry. But he just scares him. He scares him to insanity, which is incredible, especially having done the madness of King Sweeney where um, the King of Ireland goes into this frenzy by the sound of this bell and uh, and is loses his senses and ends up flying around Ireland in the, like the shape of a bird. That this is just a thing that can happen to people. And this happens to the King of France. He becomes so scared of the approaching Oscar by the rage and the fire in Oscar's eyes that he loses his sa- senses and goes to a place north of Ventry known as the Vale of Wild People. There is a place there that has its Irish name. And this is supposedly where all insane people go. I must check back with the story of the King of Sweeney to see if this was a spot on Sweeney's travels and if there's any crossover here between the now mad King of France. He even seems to have the same method. You wonder, is it just directly lifted or directly referencing the story of King Sweeney that he seems to fly away? It doesn't specifically say it is in bird form, but it does say he flies from battle and doesn't stop until he reaches this veil. There is also this incredible description. Uh, it was, again, so lovely to be talking about Fionn sucking on his thumb again and to mention the Salmon of Knowledge. It, again, it, it references the very opening months of this podcast. And But there's an incredible description of this, which I hadn't encountered before, of it not just being Fionn sucking or chewing on his thumb, it's that he chews right down to the marrow of the bone. And that incredible description of of chewing all through, like, does his thumb then heal every time? Is he like Wolverine? Does he have that power of uh, regeneration? Uh, Or is his thumb always bare and he is always just chewing marrow? Uh, It's something I never considered before. And it's a, I love that as an image of to really access the, Jesus, I think that was a spoon falling off a sink. Um, To really access that, knowledge of the world that you have to chew right down you basically have to bite your own thumb off that's a really nice it almost seems like a contemporary twist on on a beautiful gift you know that it has conditions to it as well that it's almost painful for Fionn to predict the future and Fionn predicts or he sees that there will be civilization where they are standing and he sees that the battle will last a year and a day another thing very common a lot of cutting off heads and a lot of a year and a day um, in the Battle of Entry. And in these kind of eras as well, there was an awful lot of that in the Mabinogion, in the stories of Welsh mythology, an awful lot of a year and a day. There's a, there's obviously a nice rhythm and poetry to that. Um, and these are the signs. Because if this was spoken orally by a bard, it's these repeated phrases like a year and a day and who will fight this day. This, these were mnemonic devices for these bards to be able to remember these hours and hours of material as they recited them to crowds. But when Fionn sees that this battle will last a year and a day, he does not see who the winner will be, whether it will be him or with the king of France or the king of the world. 
And speaking of the King of France as well, we have this incredible beginning to him in this story where Fionn was invited to France to train his son in the art of war, went home, and the poor King of France's wife and daughter both followed Fionn McCool home to try and uh, follow their love. Like, that is, that is a burn for the poor old King of France, to lose your wife and your daughter to the same man, uh, to the same Paddy who you invited over to just get, teach your son a bit of fighting. Uh, it is a blow, so I understand the King of France wanting to take vengeance. And look whatever happened to him. He got so scared, he went mad and turned into a bird like Sweeney. And with that, uh, that is, we will wrap up the story of Oscar and Oshin, Oshin and Oscar in Ventry Part 2. A really great one to finally be back with the Fianna. I hope you all enjoyed it. Yeah, I think we've got about two more stories of Ventry to go. So we'll have a folk tale next week. Next week we will have uh, a story called The Tailor and the Three Beasts. It's our second story about a tailor. I actually, it was the first time in the history of Fireside I read a story and I went, have I done this one before? And I went, no, I had done the story of uh, the sprightly tailor, not the tailor and the three beasts. Um, although they have similar attributes. I'm interested, it's like the tailor seems to be a very interesting stock character in folklore uh, of this like incredibly lucky, incredibly brave and audacious uh, character. Uh, I guess, which I guess is... Uh, description you may be able to associate with all tailors or certainly tailors at the time but i look forward to telling that one the tailor and the three beasts and then after that we'll have another story about ventry uh, so i hope you're all enjoying it please as always let me know what your thoughts are follow me on instagram at fireside bard email me at the fireside bard at gmail.com uh, order my book uh, garden c uh, at headstuff.org or on uh, Amazon. The links are all in the description below. You can ship it. It's been paperback all around the world. And thank you for those who keep buying it each and every week. Uh, it warms my heart so much. And I hope you're all enjoying it. Please let me know what you think of it and think of the work. Uh, that's always great to hear as well. Uh, e follow me. <laughs> subscribe to Headstuff Plus. We got there. Subscribe to Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com. All of those links are in the description below. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. 